That's a sports ball. Sports Com- ball. Coming to you from the Sports Ball Studios. You are now listening to the Small Monster Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Small Market Podcast with your host, Watucky and Hoffman, coming to you from Sports Ball Studios <laughs> in Midland, Michigan. We are just down the road from Dow Diamond and uh, the Midland Country Club and the Midland Tennis Center. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot going on this week in the. I know, I know. It's very, yeah, it's a trophy. It's a trophy. Watucky and I just exchanged uh, Christmas gifts, and I got him. <laughs> I got him a Tervis. I got him a, a traveling. But it's not just any Tervis. Yeah, boy, it's so yeah. I fed into his Michigan obsession, and I got him this this pretty sweet looking. Uh, what do you call it? The Wolver Bear? Yeah, the Wolver Bear. Yeah, it, it's got the Wolver Bear logo of the Michigan. Wolver Bear logo. You sound really confident saying that. You're like, what is this really? What what am I looking at? What what is that called exactly? I've seen it before. I just thought it was a Wolverine, but maybe a bear, but somebody was confused and (laughs) designed it a long time ago. Sailor's hat on him. Sailor's hat. So, like, I I bought this for you a few weeks ago, and then they won the Big Ten championship, and I'm like, this is this would be a good time to give this to him because it kind of serves as like. The trophy. It's my know? personal trophy. It, so it's Watucky's personal trophy. He's, uh, yeah. He, I'm in all my glory. <laughs> I'm in all my glory. He hasn't stopped talking about Michigan football since, yeah. For since the last week two, and a half, two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah, the Ohio yeah. State game and since then the, Ohio the championship. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been ridiculous. I'm in all my um, glory, Hoffman. His wife's about to kick him out of the house. So if anybody is renting, you know, needs a uh, new tenant who's who's a uh, sports and Michigan obsessed, I'm Wataki's looking for a new home. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode is is sponsored by Curveball Collectibles. I want to thank uh, Mike Wilson. What's that address? Uh, <laughs> one, I always like to put you on the spot. I think it's 166 Center Road. 166 Center Road in Saginaw, Michigan. Thanks to Mike over at Curveball for sponsoring our show and continuing to sponsor our show. He's a great guy. He, best sports card shop in the Great Lakes Bay region. Let's get into some some uh, some college football talk because that's all the hype right now. It we're is just gonna, all the rage. We're going to skip over... Uh, that one win that the the Lions got. I you don't think that's you, you newsworthy, though, that? Hoffman? I, do you want? I it? thought it was newsworthy. I know but this then you is shot big me down. You. You're like, no, nah, shut up. I don't no, want it. I'm not going to be mean like that. No. I'm not going to be mean like that. You're like the Wolverines actually have a winning season. They're like they they, they have a chance them. at the national. Chance. They're in the playoffs. They're they they're doing something with their lives. Uh, Detroit won one game. It was nice to see him win that game, though. Did you see the? <laughs> no, 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 no. That that sounds so disingenuous, yeah. but yep. I'm being serious. Uh, <laughs> did you see the locker room a video afterwards? Uh, 
Dan Campbell giving the speech to the guys and stuff. It was it was really uplifting. Right. No, it really was. It was really uplifting. It was very uplifting. And it was like, yeah, like you can tell that they, they fight for this every week. You know what I mean? And, exactly. and it's good to see it because you don't wish like an 0-17 season on anybody. Right. And we can finally start Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. The man has earned it. Ramblin' Dan Campbell. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that was cool, but yeah, it was it was nice to see that. Uh, you had a lot to talk about. Shifting gears, to college football, because that really is what we want to talk about. That's kind of what this whole the theme of this whole well, show. Episode. Yeah, because the second half of our episode, we've got a very special guest on William Martin, our our friend from uh, he's a fellow podcaster out of Brooklyn, New York, and this guy knows his stuff. Yep. Host of the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge podcast. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's on YouTube. Um, and, and he's got he's on Twitter and stuff like that. Uh, what is it? 300 Pounds of Knowledge. Right. Search for that on Twitter. 300 uh, Pounds of Sports, of sports. On, on Twitter. On Twitter. And, um, yeah, just look for that. You'll you'll find William on there. He's And he knows his stuff. I, I think he was I – I couldn't tell who was more excited about the, you know, Michigan – coming back to tradition and and winning Mm -hmm. um you or him (laughs) he was equally as excited (laughs) i bogarted this interview yeah just to see like um michigan back where they belong so to speak and and uh doing what they do best which is winning Winning. That's, what they, that's all they know what how they're to supposed do. to yeah except for the last like five except or for, six yeah, years I, or decade not, or so not talk about that right but uh <laughs> In breaking news, though, tonight, they selected, uh, sorry, kind of getting off track there, but they- No, that's exactly what I was going to They selected the to. four Heisman candidates, mm-hmm. uh, Bryce Young from Alabama, mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud, quarterback from Ohio State, um, Kenny Pickett, quarterback from Pitt, and Aiden Hutchinson. From Michigan. From, yeah, yeah, defensive end from Michigan. And uh, I guess if we're being honest with ourselves, Hoffman, it's- It's a lock. Bryce it's a Young. lock, Bryce yeah. Young. I mean, I the only guy that I think has an outside chance would be Kenny Pickett. If you right. look at his numbers, yeah. they're almost identical. C.J. Stroud uh, doesn't have as many touchdown passes. His numbers are good. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're great numbers. He's a top-tier quarterback. Um, but they're, they're below the other two. And in the biggest moment against Michigan, um, he threw for 390-some yards and two touchdowns, which is, don't get me wrong, that's a great day. But when your team gets the doors blown off them, that's not, you're not having what they call the Heisman moment. Right. Uh, the reason Aiden Hutchinson is even there is because of that Ohio State game. He had three sacks and 15 quarterback hurries mm-hmm. in that game and they and carried his defense in a, a bludgeoning beatdown of Ohio State. And so that was his Heisman moment. That propelled him into the conversation. He followed it up by a sack and nine quarterback hurries in the championship game against Iowa. But, I mean, to to be honest, the Heisman, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Hoffman, is almost always tilted towards offensive players. No, I agree. And usually quarterbacks. And usually quarterbacks. And so when you have guys like Bryce Young putting up big-time numbers and Kenny Pickett, who's matching them, you're in a distant third if you're – right you know, Aiden Hutchinson, and you're really not even in the conversation because the other two guys play the same position as you and they put up better numbers and had better Heisman moments. 
right. you know, Bryce Young's Heisman moment is obviously in the SEC championship game against Georgia, the number one team they beat, and now they're number one. That Well, and that's why, you know, as an adult, I appreciate the Charles Woodson Heisman win so much because he was a defensive player mm-hmm. and won it. And that just goes to show you how it, dominant he was yeah, uh, during his time at, at Michigan. Absolutely. Yeah. Let, should we? What do you want to talk about next as far as college football goes? Do you want to get into the weeds a little bit on the playoffs, or do you want to leave that to, to I'd, I'd say, our conversation with, uh, with William? Uh, I'll leave that most of the conversation with William. I'll say this, though. I, I see a lot on the internet about everybody being upset that Michigan's not number one. Okay. They, everybody says, oh, they shouldn't be, they should be number one. Well, it's Alabama. They've won God knows how many national title, titles prior to that. And at the end of the day, you know that you're not going to be playing Cincinnati. So if everybody moves up one spot, then Georgia drops to four. So you're playing Georgia if you're number one anyways. Right. Because yeah. there's no way the committee is going to make you watch Georgia play Alabama three weeks after they just made you watch Georgia play Alabama in the SEC championship <laughs> game. You know what I mean? They're right. not going to play each other back-to-back. Right. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So if you're Michigan, you're playing either Georgia or you're playing Alabama, one of the two, pick your poison. You're going to have to go through probably both of them to win the natty. And that's, that's all I'm going to say about it. So these, these right. Michigan people arguing that they should have been number one and not number two, it's really a moot point. It doesn't matter. I was just going to say how, how petty it sounds. It like, is. It, it, at this point, you're down to the final four. It doesn't matter who's one, two, three, yeah. four. Because you're you're, you're the, battle tested, yeah. Like you got to win the damn games, right? You have the now. It, it doesn't matter. It's just it's you know, it, Michigan wins out or Cincinnati wins out or whatever. Then you it, it didn't it didn't matter who was ranked number one going into the playoffs. It's just it's it's almost like an intimidation factor. But you've got the four best teams in college football, so who cares? Yeah, you, there's really no you cupcake know? here. It's not right. like we have a large enough field where it's like a it's like it's not like it's college basketball where you got a field of sixty four teams. Right. So when one you know is like let's say Duke playing like fucking Middle Tennessee State at number sixteen, yeah. there's a little bit of a talent difference. There's there's not going to be a talent difference in exactly. these four. Exactly. What else did you want to talk about, Kentucky? That's all I wanted to say on that. I wanted okay. to make it quick, but I managed to draw it out for three minutes. No, no, you did. <laughs> it's fine. I I know I've been teasing you because you've been you're you've been excited about it. I mean, but you've been really trying to contain yourself and not fanboy out about it. But you've got plenty to celebrate, man. You've been you are nobody um, picked this team, Hoffman. Right. They had a two percent chance, two percent you know. chance to win the Big Ten. Yep. The odds were a zero percent chance to make it to the college football playoff. Right. And here we sit. So yeah, yeah, that's it's impressive. It's I was shocked. Impressive. Even yeah. when they, even the game before Michigan, like the week before they went to play Michigan State, I sat here with you and I said, you know what, we got a good team, but Michigan State's got some explosive players. If we can keep it close, I'll be happy. Right. And then we lost, and I was like, all right, well, this is just one of them years. Where we'll be third in the Big Ten East again. Yep. I never would have pegged them to be where they're at. Yeah, absolutely. More breaking news from last night. I just wanted to mention it real quick. Then we'll oh, get yeah. into our interview with uh, with William Martin. Um, the uh, Hall of Fame announced their Golden Era Committee um, election or selections uh, to the the National Baseball Hall of Fame. They were uh, Bud Fowler, um, Buck O'Neill, 
Let's see if I have them all memorized. Minnie Minosa, Jim Cott, uh, Gil Hodges, and oh, Tony Oliva. Yeah, I think I got all six right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> that was good, Hoffman. That's all I got. That's all. I, that's my only contribution mic to the show drop. tonight. Mic drop. If mic these drop. weren't on the stand, we'd mic drop. There you yeah. go. <laughs> it's my only contribution to the show tonight. Just slap the mic. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to talk for the rest of the show. In fact, I I wasn't able to. I wasn't allowed to <laughs> was during the rest of the show. You're I came out like a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's just, it's, I... Donnie, you're out of your element. I was out of my element for the second half of the show. It was just, I, it was really refreshing to hear Wataki and another fellow college football fan, huge football fan, just talk about that stuff. But as far as the Hall of Fame, um, nice to see the guys get elected that got elected because um, half those guys I thought were already in the hall. Yeah, <laughs> like, you were saying you, you know, got that Buck O'Neill autograph postcard there, and you're yeah. like, I went to Cooperstown, and I seen he had a statue there. Like, right, I have a statue a, of a guy that's not in the hall at the Hall of Fame. Exactly. He has a statue. There's a statue of Buck O'Neill in the lobby of the Baseball Hall of Fame because of what a great ambassador he was, not only to baseball, but for, for the Negro Leagues and stuff. And um so I just, I always thought, it, it was like just, breaking news to me. I'm like, what do you mean he was just, he's elected? Is this real to, life the, right are now? Are you kidding me? He, he's already in. I I thought he was already yeah. there. there. I thought, thought he already had his plaque. But um, it's unfortunate to me, I think, that we wait until, you know, for these guys to be posthuma, posthumously inducted. I wish they were... Alive to see it. Alive to see it and enjoy it, like Gil Hodges. Um, you know, and yeah. Minnie Minosa, like, I remember growing up as a kid and thinking he was in the Hall of Fame, and then it was like a shock to me to learn that he wasn't. Um, so it's kind of nice that he's like, he's finally in. Yeah. You know, that guy's on a 1952 Topps baseball card. and Somewhere in your room. I don't have that You card. don't get it. I'm pretty sure oh, I do Christmas not. ideas for <laughs> So, anyways, it really cool to uh, to see those six guys get elected, um, all deserving. Congratulations! And uh, now let's let's get into our interview with William Martin from Three Hundred Pounds of Sports Knowledge. Welcome back to the Small Market Podcast, presented to you by Curveball Collectibles, the Great Lakes Bay region's largest selection of sports cards, raw and graded, uh, in the area. With us tonight is host of the. 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge podcast, uh, Mr. William Martin. How you doing tonight, William? How's everybody doing out there? Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, man. We're having yeah. you on because you are a wealth of knowledge on college, among other things, college football. I'm a huge Michigan fan. I've heard from Hoffman here that you are as well. Um, this was a big time win over the weekend, wasn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you look at it and you just think about everything that Jim Harbaugh has been through at Michigan, because naturally when he was brought in for 2015, uh, you know, the expectations were through the roof. I mean, I could still remember when, you know, Michigan officials flew out to Northern California, to the Bay Area after, you know, Harbaugh went eight and eight in that last year with the Niners. They brought him back. They brought him uh, back. 
back to Michigan and he was introduced at halftime during a uh, playoff, doing a home game, rather a men's basketball game against Illinois. If, uh, if my memory doesn't fail me. And I just remember like seeing the excitement of everybody there. Like, yes, you know, because you think about what Michigan had become. And I mean, they were struggling uh, to be a mediocre team in the big 10 Ohio State wasn't even like thinking about them because the Buckeyes had dominated them. And then, of course, you know, it was Harbaugh, Harbaugh won games. You know, I think like by the time his second year was over, he got him to a New Year's Six game. They got to the Orange Bowl. They lost to Florida State. And they're like, OK, people are like we can build off of that. Uh, but then, you know, Harbaugh was consistently getting the wins, but it was always that what if, you know that tough loss that he had to Michigan state his first year where like memes were going all around the country from people's faces <laughs> at uh, the big house, like what happened. And then, you know, consistently being there, uh, the overtime loss to Ohio state, uh, you name it. And I think last year, uh, the two and four season, the uh, shortened season, obviously, uh, but still going two and four. And there were people that wanted his job then and, you know, the powers that be that Michigan stuck with him. He was able to uh, make some changes to his coaching staff, made some adjustments to his philosophies. Uh, but I think the biggest thing for Michigan this year, in my opinion, they played the nobody respects us card, us against the world card, because Michigan came into the season unranked. And, you know, you looked at it at the beginning and there was this, you know, you're like, okay, they're, they're really going to be up behind a creek because Ronnie Bell was lost in the first game of the season. You're like, wow, there goes their explosiveness on offense. And, you know, they beat Washington. The wins are starting to pile up. And I think for me, in my opinion, uh, one of the turning points for Michigan this year, you go back to when they went to Camp Randall and beat Wisconsin because that's always a game that recently Michigan has lost. And I know that Wisconsin – wasn't as dominant this year as they have been. And then still Wisconsin was right there with Iowa for the big 10 West, but nonetheless, I think that game gave them a lot of confidence. Then I also think going to Nebraska, I know Nebraska finished three and nine, but you know, the Huskers, you know, they're, you, you feel like they're on the cusp of something under Scott Frost. We'll see how they, how they turn out next year, but that's an old story. But I think those games gave them confidence I don't think enough people gave Michigan credit this year for the Penn State win. That came after uh, the Michigan State game. And, you know, even with Michigan State, you look at it and, and like the way Michigan lost. And I know people are like, well, typical Michigan under Harbaugh, they, they find ways to lose these games. Uh, that was a tough game, controversial. You know, a couple of like breaks by the officials could have gone either way. Yep. Uh, but, but nonetheless, getting back to the Penn State game, I think that, you know, enough people I don't think gave them credit for that game. Penn State finished seven and five. Their record, they're a lot better than seven and five. And, you know, to go to Happy Valley, go into that environment and beat Penn State was I think it did a lot of confidence for Michigan. And to me, I think they answered the bell so much this year. You go back to the Ohio State game, they get the opening kickoff, they march down the field, they score a touchdown. Um, they had an opportunity to go up 14 and nothing. McNamara throws that interception and you're like, okay, here we go again. Yeah. That's the break that Ohio State's going to get. Yep. And then the floodgates are going to open up. That didn't happen. And it seemed like every time that Ohio State punched them, Michigan counterpunched. And they counterpunched 
with their offensive line and their running game. And I think the way that they beat Ohio State, I don't think it was done on purpose, but I think it was a tribute to Bo Schembechler and how he played football. Because Michigan just dominated the line of scrimmage in that game on both sides of the football because uh, C.J. Stroud was running around for his life. And, of course, being that Michigan was leading for the most part for that game, it kind of made Ohio State one-dimensional. You look at, you know, Aiden Hutchinson and Ojabu, they were basically pinning their ears back coming after Stroud. So he was running around. And then, you know, the O-line just dictated it. And I think the fact that the way that they won, how they won, everything that was involved because a lot of people not only were talking about Ohio State winning that game people have basically penciled in Ohio State to win that game and okay this is what Ohio State's going to do in the playoff not even talking about Ohio State winning the Big Ten this is what the Buckeyes are going to do in the playoff and Michigan squelched all of that and I think you know what we saw Saturday night from Michigan because me personally I expected a close game because I figured you know I looked at Iowa's defense, and then on top of that, I said, would Michigan have a letdown? Because it's so tough to get up for consecutive games like that in consecutive weeks. You just look at Ohio State. We we were hyping up their matchup with Ohio, uh, with Michigan State. The Buckeyes beat the, spray, beat the brakes off the Spartans. So I'm like, wow, two games in a row like that, that's tough. But Michigan answered the bell, and I think going, going down scoring early, and then you see Harbaugh opening up the playbook – with the option pass, and the next thing you know, the Wolverines are up. They get 14 points on the board, and then their defense just really dictated the pace. So, I mean, I think this is a big win for Michigan, and I think the fact that they are able to be in the college football playoff and well-deserved because you don't win the Big Ten by accident, but I think right now it's going to give Michigan and Harbaugh the opportunity to do something that they haven't done for a while, which is to like recruit five-star guys on offense. And not only that, get back to recruiting nationally. Because when you think about the Michigan brand for the 80s, 90s, and so forth, they were getting guys from Virginia. They were getting guys from California and quality guys at that. So I think Michigan has an opportunity to go back to that. And I think Harbaugh has an opportunity and he's done it so far. And I think he's not done yet, but he has an opportunity to, to uh, exercise some more demons this year. You know, you touched on it a little bit. Uh, the kind of the way they played against Ohio state kind of uh, smash it, you know, two yards on clouded dust or, or whatever, you know, like a throwback to Bo Schembechler. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot made about when Josh Gaddis come in about this speed and space. And I think, no one's really talking about it, but Michigan leads is the only team with more than, I believe, 22 plays with more than 50 yards of play. They lead the nation. No one else is even close. They're averaging two a game. I mean, this offense has actually become more explosive than what it once was, but I don't think anybody's talking about that. What are your thoughts? No, no. I listen, listen, I, listen, I totally agree with you on that because it's something where – when you think about Michigan and the Harbaugh, you don't think about their offense. Like at first you did because you're like, okay, wow, you saw what he did at Stanford uh, with Andrew Luck. And then you saw what he did 
uh, in the NFL. And, you know, he kickstarted Alex Smith's career um, as a quarterback. And then, of course, you know, you know, the 49ers offense really took off to another level. And, you know, he made a career out of Colin Kaepernick at quarterback Mm -hmm. as well. So it's like you're thinking like, okay, we're going to come in and get this right away. And it never uh, came to that with Michigan. It was always their offense was stuck in the mud and their defense was carrying them. But now you're starting to see this and it's like the Michigan offense is opening up. And I want to say that to me, it's probably opening up in a way that I haven't seen since Chad Henney, because of course, but those are the days uh, when still Lloyd Carr was, uh, was coaching this team because you think about it, you know, they tried to do it with Rich Rodriguez. It was that was a bad mix altogether because Rich Rod tried to come in and tear down what had been established at Michigan for so many years and go in another direction. And it was a train wreck. It was a disaster. Michigan tried to save face and bring in Brady Hope, but it was like still it was, you know, up in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I think for what what Harbaugh has done at Michigan is he's given them something they haven't had for a long time, which is an identity. And now I think it's going to be an opportunity for Michigan and Harbaugh to take this thing to the next level. And I I mean, you figure that Big Ten East, the heavyweights that are in the Big Ten East, you think about Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State, you know right off the bat, for you to do anything, you've got to go through those three teams. And, you know, Michigan held their own this year. All of those teams, with the exception of Penn State, went 2-1 and one in that round-robin, uh, you know, atmosphere. Of course, Penn State lost all three of those games. But nonetheless, you know, Michigan, I think they have an opportunity. And I think that Harbaugh is not done yet because and – I'm, and I'm actually going to talk about this the closer that we get to the playoff. I think a lot of people – are overlooking Michigan in this playoff from the standpoint that you have some people already who are penciling in an Alabama and Georgia rematch. And I am not one of them. Uh, I think Alabama definitely has an advantage over Cincinnati. And I think that was the, 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 the race right there to try to get that one seed to play Cincinnati and no disrespect to Cincinnati, but You'd rather play Cincinnati in the semis than Alabama, Michigan, or Georgia. And now Michigan and Georgia, you know, have an opportunity to play each other. And, you know, Georgia was the number one seed for the majority of the year. But they have to, you know, get back on track, number one. Number two, Georgia kind of got exposed in that game against Alabama. So, you know, if you're Michigan and you're going to have some time to prep for that, you know, you got to prep for that D. And, you know, Michigan will have their opportunities to win that game. I'm not going to not saying that they are, but it's not just simply, you know, Georgia's going to put their shoulder pads and cleats on and they're going to go out there and beat Michigan. No, I think Michigan this year, they're really seizing the moment. They seize the opportunity uh, versus Ohio State. Um, I expected a partisan crowd at Lucas Oil Stadium in favor of of uh, the Wolverines when they took the field on Saturday night. And that was the case. And I mean, it was one of those where the way that they played, and this is no disrespect to Iowa because Iowa is a very good team on the current fairs. You don't win the big 10 West by accident, but no disrespect to them. But to me, it just seemed like the way Michigan was playing, Iowa should have just not even have gotten off of the bus. That, that, that was it. And I think, I think Michigan is going to try to keep this confidence going. Uh, I think the only thing that could hurt Michigan is 
like them having a few weeks off because they have so much momentum now. It's kind of like, you know, in the NFL where you see a team, they have that momentum, they win their conference championship, they go to the Super Bowl, and then they come out flat. So that's the only thing that you can that you would have to worry about. Uh, but I will say this, Orange Bowl on um, in the semis against Georgia, typically, you know, Georgia travels well, but I think Michigan might have a slight crowd edge in this one because, you know, Michigan fans have been clamoring for this for a long time, and rightfully so, because when you think about the Big Ten, f- football-wise, you can't go more than two sentences without mentioning Michigan football. So for Michigan fans to not have a taste of the Big Ten title since 2004, not have an outright Big Ten title since 2003, that's kind of far-fetched when you think about it. So, I, you know, I think the fans themselves are going to try to will themselves to this, but I don't think Michigan's done yet. I, I, I still think that they have this us-against-the-world mentality and with people out there already penciling in Georgia with a rematch against Alabama, I think that's only going to add fuel to their fire. Harbaugh is a master motivator, and I think this year really showed that. So he's going to tell his boys, he's like, listen, they've doubted us all year long. They're still continuing to doubt us. So uh, with that said, Georgia better be ready uh, for the semis against Michigan. Well, I I think you're absolutely right. I've seen it on people's shirts and hats. They're making Michigan versus everybody. And it's been a long time. I think that's the attitude, like you said, that they have missed this whole time. Uh, Talking to John U. Bacon in a previous episode, and he had said that when you lose to a team for so long, you stop when you start to when you continue to play them, you're not only playing them, but you're also fighting history. You know, and, and I told John, I was like, it's it's like a mental thing. I think it's just a mental block at this point. It's not that you don't have the talent. It's not that you don't have the coaching in the case of, you know, the rivalry with the Buckeyes. It's the fact that you just, it's it's a mental block. And I think this us against the world has really pushed them to get over that mental block. Like, that's what they needed to get over that hump. And I think they're going to pose a big time challenge for Georgia. Um, that being said, would you have preferred to have seen a matchup with an Alabama uh, from Michigan standpoint, yeah. Um, to me, uh, no, because the thing is this: um, if you're Michigan, once you won the Big Ten Saturday night, you knew in in your head that okay, if in order for you to win this title, you're going to have to go through both Georgia and Alabama. So you have to you have to get that you know into your head, and I think you know Harbaugh uh, will continue to preach that to his guys. Uh, to me, I, I think Michigan, like you said, with the whole Michigan versus everybody, it's kind of like, you know, we'll play anybody anywhere, anytime. Um, but, I, you know, if, I, if me personally, if I was coaching Michigan, I would have preferred to play Georgia first as opposed to Alabama because, number one, Alabama's going to be in the playoff. They're down one receiver. We know that John Mechie's not going to be able to play because he blew out his knee, unfortunately, in the SEC championship game. Anything can happen. In the, uh, in the semis against Cincinnati, who's to say that, you know, Alabama doesn't suffer another injury and then Michigan, you might be able to take advantage of that. But nonetheless, I, you know, if you're Michigan, what you do matches up better against Georgia as opposed to, um, to Alabama. I will say this, this will be the best defense that Michigan has faced all year long. Now, with that said, Michigan should have some confidence because Iowa was no slouch on defense this year, especially if you look at their linebackers and their secondary. But I think what's going to have to happen 
Michigan has to win the line of scrimmage. It's going to come down to both teams, Michigan and Georgia. Who wants to win the line of scrimmage? And you think about Georgia defensively with their front seven. Uh, it's a situation where they lived and died by that front seven, and they dictated the pace. That didn't happen against Alabama on uh, Saturday in Atlanta. It was a situation where Alabama – who had the questions about their O-line, they dictated things. So, you know, Georgia wants to get back to that. They want to get that get off. But if you're Michigan, you you got to have confidence because going into that Ohio State game, all we heard about was Haskell Garrett, what he and the rest of his D-line is going to do. They neutralized him. Uh, then you go into the Iowa game. We know what Iowa can do defensively. Michigan neutralized them. So, you know, it's going to be a situation where – I think Michigan's going to be ready to play. Uh, I think what's going to have to happen is they have to run the football effectively. And if Georgia tries to take away that run like they did against Alabama on Saturday, they've got to find a way to put some pressure on that secondary, which means that Cade McNamara is going to have to play the best game of his life. Now, on the flip side, defensively, if Michigan can get a lead, that is going to be huge for their defense because we saw uh, Saturday what Stetson Bennett looks like when he has pressure because he never faced a defense like he had faced um, against Alabama. The Clemson defense in the first game was good. And remember, Georgia only scored three points against them. It was that pick six against Clemson that was a difference in that game. But nonetheless, if Michigan can get a lead, you're going to give Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajobu the opportunity uh, to rush the passer and, and, and get after Stetson Bennett, that's a, def, that's a definite advantage for Michigan. And for me, when I watch Aiden Hutchinson, you know, play, you know, you might as well call him, and I know some people might laugh at this, you might as well call him A.J. Watt because we have J.J. Watt and we have T.J. Watt. But the way that Aiden Hutchinson rushes a passer, he plays like he can be one of the Watt brothers. So it's one of those where if you give him the opportunity uh, to, uh, to go out there and rush the passer, and I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be motivated, not just about the college football playoff, not just about us against the world mentality, you name it. But, you know, there's some money on the table for him because, you know, it's coming down to him and Kayvon Thibodeau as far as who's going to be the first edge rusher taken in the draft. And, you know, of course, Kayvon Thibodeau, he's going to probably maybe, I don't know, because some guys, you know, the new trend is you might rest during the bowl game and not play. But Aiden Hutchinson has an opportunity to go out there and make some money and uh, further solidify himself as a top 10 pick. So George is going to have to find a way to neutralize that. So I think if this game right here is definitely going to come down to field position, turnovers, and more importantly, which quarterback does not make a mistake because they're both defenses, I think, are going to be up for the challenge in this one. I mean, Georgia Georgia got embarrassed by Alabama. So I, 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 I guarantee you Kirby Smart is – like beating that into his players' heads, like, listen, we can't have this again. Yeah, you know they're going to come out mad. So that's just something that Michigan's going to have to prepare for. With Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo on the edges, maybe I'm wrong here, but does Chris Hinton and Mozzie Smith, do they not get talked about enough? Because them plugging up that middle allows them to run wild on the edges. You know, if you're weak in the middle and you get run all over in the middle, you you can't you got, you almost got to kind of cheat to the inside then to help them out. Am I am I right or wrong there? No, listen, listen. I you're 100 percent right on that. And you know it's a situation where um, Georgia is going to try to come after them early, and I think it's going to be important for Michigan to be stout right in the middle. And it's really going to come down to 
who wins a line of scrimmage on first and second down for both offenses because I think both offenses want to be able to, you know, stay out of third and long situations against both of these defenses. Now, where Georgia got into trouble is they were, you know, it was a situation at first, they were making Bryce Young move around. But once Bryce Young got comfortable and they made the mistake in going zone once, he made them pay for it. And then we saw Alabama's speed at the wide receiver position take over. Now, Michigan does not have the speed at wide receiver like Alabama does. But I still think, you know, Harbaugh can't go into his bag of tricks like he did with the trick plays against um, Iowa. And he can have, you know, he can have some effectiveness. But the thing is with trick plays, you only get the opportunity to do so much of them in a game. And when you do them, you better hit. So I think it's important. I think Cade McNamara, the next two games have to be the best of Cade McNamara's uh, career because you figure for them to beat uh, Georgia and Alabama, like most people expect them uh, to have to play, he's going to have to be on. Uh, William, I promise we won't keep you too long. I know you got kids to get to, and you just, you know, you've been working all day too. So um, I, we'll just wrap it up real quick. But I, uh, I definitely want to have you on again because you, you know your stuff for sure. And uh, we didn't even scratch the surface of everything we wanted to talk about. You and I were, were talking about the other day, but right, to, right. to kind of wrap up, would you mind telling us a little bit about your? about your podcast and the things that you're 300 pounds of sports knowledge and where yeah where our listeners can can find that sure you uh you can check me out on youtube at 300 pounds of sports knowledge uh it's like 300 lbs um folks can if they have a problem getting on there please they can feel free to follow me on twitter at 300 pounds of sports and i'll i could always share the link with them through there um i can also uh, i'll email you my link directly and then if you wanted to uh, share it with your listeners uh, they could they could uh, check it out on there as well uh i'm always talking about a litany of stuff on there nfl nba not so much nba right now just due to the fact that i've been so focused on college football and uh, the NFL right now, as well as the MLB. Uh, but, you know, talking about the MLB, talking about the NFL, talking about college, and it, like, especially right now, uh, there is so much to talk about in the world of college football. Uh, it's, it's not even funny. It's going to be like that probably for the next month or so. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, they can just check me out on YouTube. Like I always say, a total sports package for the total fan. I, I always switch up my hats. In the background switch up as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, telling Watucky, I was like, I want to talk to him about this and ask him about this and ask him about the Hall of Fame. And he's a big baseball guy, too. And Watucky was like, I could do 20 minutes on just Michigan football. So, yeah, so I, I kind like, of right, guarded well, the whole thing. We'll just so. roll with that. That's cool, man. So, you know. Well, <laughs> very, very quick on the Baseball Hall of Fame. You know, I will say some very deserving uh, people finally got in. Agreed. I've been a longtime supporter. Uh, Buck O'Neill getting in, uh, you know, he was very well deserved. Uh, I was just disappointed, however, that Dick Allen missed by one vote. Yeah, oh, <laughs> you, you probably can't see this, William, but this is a post court card of Buck O'Neill. I've had this for a long time, signed by Buck O'Neill. Here, I've always been a big fan of that guy, and honestly, I, I'm kind of embarrassed because until yesterday, I thought he was already in the hall. <laughs> I've, I've been to Cooperstown a few times, and they got that big old statue of him in, in one of their lobbies. And I'm like, well, yeah, Buck O'Neill's a Hall of Famer. Like, 
He, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean. Aside from his playing career, he did so much for so many other players yeah. uh, that were played in the Negro leagues that weren't getting the exposure, and they got in. And then, you know, unfortunately, he passed away without, um, you know, being being able to see it. But you think about, you know, so many people who, are, who have gotten that opportunity and that finally not Gil Hodges. You think about yeah. what he meant uh, to the game of baseball. I know some people they feel a certain way about Jim Cott, but I I, I feel like you know he deserves it. Minnie Minoso as well. Yeah. Uh, like and hopefully you know Dick Allen will get in there soon because I mean I don't yep. think it's, it's unfortunate that he passed away, uh, but uh, I, you know there's a younger generation of baseball fans that really don't understand what type of player that Dick Allen was in his era. Absolutely. Well, William, thanks again for joining us. We will we'll definitely have you, you on again, man. We'll let you get back to your babies, okay? Thank you guys so much. You guys enjoy the rest of the evening. Have a good show. You, you as well. Have a good night, man. Bye. All right. Take care. So that was our interview with William Martin. We want to thank him again for for giving us his time. He's got a family at home. He's he's a busy man, and uh, he's got his own show. So he he was uh he was very generous with his time, and uh, we appreciate him coming on. You're gonna hear more from him later on. I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna have him on the show. We'd love to try and get him on the show. He has a wealth of knowledge. Absolutely, and he's he's not only a big football fan. He's just as big of a baseball fan. And uh, I found out from doing like the pre-interview with him, he's a big Mets fan. Yeah, so, so you guys can boner it out, fucking <laughs> in the summertime. That's right, just the same as you and two I'll did just, with Michigan yeah, football. And so, I'll be the guy yeah. that just sits back there and is like, <laughs> "Man, who watches the Mets?" Get left out. Like, yeah, I mean, they say that, but like you know, all of the East Coast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying like one of the most populated areas of the country does. It, we'll just have to have we'll just have William Martin and Jason Wirtz on the show every other week. They'll be alternating just weeks. <laughs> just you know. In fact, I I think I should just I should just, we should just produce a show with Tucky with just, just them, just those two. It'd They're the like, hosts. Like you know? when they call like two different pizza places with the two different phones and they put them right next to each other. Right, they don't know exactly. Do. We're just gonna do that with like tablets for Zoom for yep. a Zoom meeting with those two. They'll think they're coming to talk to us and they just be like. <laughs> Yes. Well, I'm here for the small market podcast. Well, I'm here for the 300 pounds of sports knowledge <laughs> podcast. Exactly. But Just I'm here to talk about baseball. Well, so am I. Have them talk to each other. So yeah. what do you think about the Mets? <laughs> yeah, and then it just rolls into yeah. an episode for us. And, and you know what? It'll end up being a four-hour podcast every <laughs> single week. We could just so, chop it up then. You know, yeah. We only got to pair them up once a month. We'll just set the tablets up on stands, have them face each other, yeah. and you and I will... will uh, I'll just drink beer in the background. Right. We'll go to, to Dow Diamond, just hang out, watch a ball Catch game, game. <laughs> come back. Show will still be going on. We'll go to the tennis center, <laughs> hang out there, yeah. you know, come back, all sweaty. They're still talking baseball. Do you want to go to the card shop then, Hoffman? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah let's go to Curveball. Let's go, yeah. let's go hang out at Mike's and talk shop with him for a while and come back they might finally be done with their their conversation you know won't matter we'll be sorting sports cards and talking I'd love about all the stuff that we bought from from mike wilson at curveball collectibles that's curveball collectibles oh geez at 166 uh hoffman are you getting extra money under the table that i don't know about i yeah, just like to make sure that we're check the books we're giving the man his due he he paid for these sweet microphones so he you did. know he yeah. did, which is why we're coming to you <laughs> so smooth. That's right. Sweet audio chocolate. That's right. Thanks for tuning in this week, folks. We'll, uh, we'll catch you next week.
That's how a sports world goes. You've been listening to the Small Market Podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, send us a message at smallmarketpodcast at gmail.com, or get more behind-the-scenes writings from Hoffman at smallmarketpodcast backslash blogspot.com. Music for the Small Market Podcast has been provided by the 8-Arm Killer.